Welcome to the Life Unlimited Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice so you can confidently live your life your way for life. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to Life Unlimited with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Larry, what's going on? Oh, another day in paradise, Eric. How about you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Normally you have a guest in this seat, but uh, I get to hang out with you today. Yeah. You've got a topic we're going to cover and I get to ask you some questions about it so that the audience can learn and myself because there's a lot to unpack here, it sounds like. Yeah, we're going to be a little educational today, a break from the Life Unlimited kind of uh, kind of scenario, but it's this is important information and it could change a lot of what you do. Okay, so what are we covering? So we're going to we're going to cover required minimum distributions or MRDs for sure. Or RMDs for sure. RMDs. Thank you for that <laughs> yes, correction. I got RMDs right on this. Right. Required minimum distributions. So it's early. I usually record later in the day, Eric. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> so uh, so what happened recently, a lot of you may have heard of the Secure Act and now we've got the Secure Act 2.0 which changes a lot of things on the tax law. I think there are 100 and something changes. We're only going to focus on one today and that's moving the RMD back. So mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember where were we on the RMDs a few years ago, Eric? Do you remember? Was it 72 and a half or 72? Nope. It was a few years ago. It was 70, 70 oh. and a half. Oh, that's right. 70 and a half. Yeah. Right. And Secure Act 1.0, as I like to call it, changed it to 72. Mm -hmm. Now, if you turn 72 after January 1st of this year, 2023, your RMD is pushed back to 73. And if you're born after January 1st, 1960, your required minimum distribution is pushed back to age 75. Really? Oh, so, yeah, really. So well, that's me. There you go. <laughs> so now you can learn some stuff today, Eric. So <laughs> extra attention today. That's right. I learned something every day. I'm with you, Larry. So that's good. But yeah, so that means I, because I was born in 74, so I don't have to take RMDs till 75 until they change it again. <laughs> Maybe. I don't think they'll move it up. Maybe they'll move it back again, but I don't know. It's, right. you know, it's pretty, it's pretty far back. So by now moving, we've now moved it back five years. So, so what does that do? And what did moving it back for either even to 73 from 70 a few years mm -hmm. ago, but now even moving back to 75, what are some of the things that you should think about with this changes? So, uh, so let's jump into it. So the first thing is what we're talking about is your investment strategy. So why may your investment strategy change by pushing it back, Eric? Well, I mean, obviously, if you don't have to take the minimum distributions or you, you're not forced to take money out of your accounts, you can juggle from different accounts because like you've said in the past, you have different silos or different buckets or however you want to phrase it, a lot of different places you can draw money from. And if you don't have to pull from these accounts and that gives more opportunity for growth. Absolutely. You've been Woo. listening to our podcast. <laughs> 
So yep. now you have a longer, what I call a longer time horizon. So now if you have a longer time horizon, you could be a little bit more aggressive if you want to think about this, because if you don't need the money in the short term and you don't need it for the long term, and we've talked about the stock market and investing in the market should be for the longer term, you can live with some of these fluctuations upside down because you have further, a longer time to pull it out. So even if you are 60, 65, and you are closing in on age 70, now you've pushed this back five years. So now you've got longer time frame. So it's 60. Now we're, we're 15 years away rather than 10 years away. And then if you're in your forties, now you're, you're close to 35 years away before having to pull this money out. Now, maybe that wasn't that much of a different time horizon, but if you're, uh, if you are closer now, we've extended that time horizon before you have to take money out. Mm -hmm. So, so one thing then is to look at your asset allocations and see if maybe now the asset allocation should be changed. So, so that's really the first thing uh, is really the asset allocation. And then the next one I'm calling the, the tax impact. What do I mean by the tax impact of this? So the longer that you have money in your traditional IRA or traditional 401k, as we all learned before, Eric, have we paid taxes on the money in there? No, and the taxes are growing in there. So, so the account is growing. So now the required minimum distribution is based upon your life expectancy and how it's calculated and how you have to take that out. So now if you've pushed your, your required minimum distribution back to age 75, you have five more years of growth. So now your account can grow even more. You know, just talking about the rule of 72. So if you make 7.2% on your money over long-term timeframes, it'll double over 10 years. So now by moving this timeframe back, you can in theory have a larger um, IRA, a 401k, making your required minimum distribution higher. And if your required minimum distribution is higher, maybe you're going to be in a higher tax bracket later on. Mm. So now, okay, now we got to start thinking about some of the things that maybe we should, we should do. So the first thing is when you're contributing while you're working and you're contributing, should you be contributing to a traditional pre-tax 401k or should you be contributing to an after-tax Roth, either 401k or IRA, whatever your company has or whatever you're eligible? And the rule of thumb is that if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket now and a higher tax bracket later on, you'd want to do more into a Roth. If you're in a higher tax bracket now and a lower tax bracket later on, you'd want to do more of your traditional. So maybe now by pushing this back, that changes some of your thinking. So deciding what you should put in, whether it's uh, after tax Roth or a pre-tax traditional is another, another impact of this and you want to think of. Okay. Hang on, Larry. So let me ask you this, because you've spoken about what happens to widows. In, in situations like this, or I should say widows in the future, where they are now suddenly single, if you will, and 
So they're in a higher tax bracket because they're single, because of the accounts that they have. So would you say that it's maybe a good strategy for women who live longer to maybe put into a Roth 401k if, if the husband's putting into a traditional, or does that matter? I mean, I, I'm just thinking of like my wife, I'm going to kick it before she does. Let's just be honest. And so if, if she has our, both of our 401ks to be pulling out of, and she hits that RMD age, is that going to really put her in a bad position because she's single, if she hasn't remarried, single and having to draw out that much money? No, that that's really not going to have that much of a factor okay. unless, unless she's much younger than much no. younger than you are. But here's what could factor. So if you go by your theory and you're going to pass away first, hopefully you live much longer than 75. But if you die before 75 and you're married, guess what? She can roll your, your IRA into hers and doesn't have to take the distribution until she's 75. So if your spouse is much younger than you, now you're not just looking on yours, but you're looking on mm. your spouse. But hopefully life expectancy is longer than 75. So you're not really, you know, you're not really worrying about that as 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 much. But if you do predecease your wife earlier, then they'll have longer periods of time later on. Yeah. So it's real. Sometimes it's, again, it's by the time horizon. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's one, that's one tax impact of it. The other one is now that we pushed back to 75, does it mean we have to wait until we're 75 to take it out? Well, if, if by pushing it back five years, it starts to kick you up into a higher bracket, then maybe you want to take it out earlier than 75 again sometimes you may to say well why am i taking it out earlier because i'm paying taxes earlier than the, on that but you have to look at your tax brackets and see what you're going to be in mm -hmm. and maybe it does make sense to pull some out before your required minimum distribution so that's another tax tax impact and my favorite one now is it gives people more years to really do and consider a Roth conversion. So why does it give you more years to consider a Roth conversion? Are you asking me, Larry? I'm asking you that. <laughs> that this feels more like stump Eric than, <laughs> than Life Unlimited, Larry. Well, uh, I don't have a guest today, so I got you know, to throw gotta pick it out on me. to you. Got Otherwise, it. it'd be boring just for people to listen to me talk all day. Yeah, so I mean, so here's the thing is that every, it, it's like pulling cash out, right? It's like pulling money out of that investment. If you can see, okay, I've got $25,000 until I hit that next tax bracket, you can do that Roth conversion for 25,000, or maybe it's 50,000 before you hit the next tax bracket, you convert it then at the lower tax rate. So then then it grows tax free, and you don't have to worry about the impact of taxes once you pull it out of a Roth. Whereas now the it'll lower the amount in the traditional IRA to when you hit 75 and have to take RMDs, you don't have as much in there and the percentage won't necessarily kick you to the higher tax bracket. Right. That's absolutely that? that's absolutely correct. And one of the reasons why you want to do the Roth, but that's kind of not what I was getting at. <laughs> so, close. So, so the reason is if you're beforehand, if you're 72 and you wanted to do Roth conversions. But you're 72 and you had to take a required minimum distribution. So the amount of your required minimum distribution adds to your taxable income, which already starts kicking you up into the next bracket. Mm -hmm. Now you have three more years if you're your age to or one more year if you're 
over 70 if, if you're not born after 1960. So you have one or three more years where you can do Roth conversions without adding the required minimum distribution into your taxable calculation. Got it. Well, that's what Got I got it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's, so that's an, another reason here to, in, to, to do that. But as, of course, the Roth conversions now are another factor in because there's a couple of reasons to do Roth conversions. One, you're doing it at a age where you think you're in a lower bracket. So you're going to take some money out. That money will then grow for you tax-free in a Roth. So then when you want to take the money out down the road, you're now don't have to pay any taxes. Hmm. So that's a Roth conversion that I say kind of for yourself or your spouse. But Security Secure Act 1.0 changed the inherited rules. Big, big change in the inherited IRAs prior to Secure Act, you are able to take a distribution out based upon your life expectancy. So if mm -hmm. you were giving it to the child, they can really stretch out the required minimum distribution or to a grandchild, really stretch that out and defer a lot of taxes over numerous years. Government finally said, nope, end of that game. We have within 10 years, you have to take your money out of a inherited IRA. Mm -hmm. So now again, without it becomes another reason why a Roth conversion may be more beneficial to your children and to your grandchildren. So now if you're waiting and you think, well, I may use the money, I may not use the money. It gives you some more years to say, you know, I'm a little bit older. I really could make these Roth conversions for the benefit of my children or my grandchildren and gives you a few more years to actually do some of these Roth conversions. So, so I know that the Roth is not taxable to the grandchildren or the children, correct? Yeah. So, so it doesn't, Roth, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was going to say, so it's not, it's not considered taxable income. They're not going to get taxed when they take money out of the Roth, but they can also take it over past 10 years. They don't have to take it within 10 years, do they? No, they have to take it within 10 years. Even a Roth. So even they have a, to take it within even, 10, but it's not taxable. Cor correct. So it okay. doesn't really make a difference when you take it. You can take a little here, a little later. So what happens is a lot of times the child is inheriting this money when they're in their peak earnings. Yeah. And now they've got to really figure out, do I pay for it? Do I take a little bit in each year? Do I wait and take more later on? where if you're paying the tax for them is kind of a little gift to them. And then the remaining grows tax-free, but when they inherit it, they don't have to worry about that. So mm -hmm. again, it, some of these calculations get a little complicated and you really have to kind of go through it all and see what makes sense. And of course it's not an all or nothing. You can do a little bit and part of it. So it's important to really, you know, work with somebody and go through those numbers to see what it is. But a lot of people don't even think about these Roth conversions and it's just left to grow. And then when either you, you have to take your requirement distribution or your children have to take big numbers because the, the IRA is grown even bigger now because, you know, over the five years, uh, now there's you're in a much higher tax bracket. Your children are in a much higher tax mm -hmm. bracket because they have to take this inherited money out and they're still and they're still working. So gives you more time to really do some Roth conversions. So anyone who has not really looked at Roth conversions, and we look at this as soon as you're in a low income year, whether 
you're retired and you haven't taken your social security yet, whether you have a, a, a down year because you took a year off or your business was out. So each year you really want to be looking at this. So at the end of each year, November, we, we get all the tax information. We run our calculations, see what tax bracket you're in and have conversations on how much, if any, should go into a Roth conversion. So now we've got more years to do that. So that's, that's an, fantastic. A, a real great advantage, a real great advantage of this. Yeah. So let's switch gears and talk about one other advantage. This really wasn't a change in the law, but, and I'm not going to go into it really. We can talk about this, maybe, maybe a future podcast. We'll talk about a QCD, Eric. You've okay. talked about that before. Not, I don't know about in depth, but I know I learned it from you. Yes, we've mentioned it before. So it's called, I'm going to put you on the spot, a qualified charitable deduction from your um, from your IRA. So if you're 70 and a half and you are able, and you now 70 and a half was the old rules when you took money out of your, you took your required minimum distribution out of your qualified accounts. Now they push back the required minimum distribution to 72, three or five, but they've left the qualified travel deduction at 70 and a half. So now if you're making uh, deductions to charity, does it make sense to make it with after tax dollars or does it make sense to maybe use your IRA to make some of these deductions? And therefore now you're reducing your IRA account, which would then reduce your required minimum distribution as you, when you're older and therefore reduce your taxes on that side. So you've got another little factor here from a tax implication to really consider. Can you do it to multiple charities, Larry? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, okay. in a, you can do multiple qualified travel deductions. I mean, there are other things such as called the donor advised fund. So mm -hmm. there are plenty of other things to do. This is just one, one factor. Well, so, I was just saying in this specifically, because you don't have to take your RMD in one lump sum, right? I mean, as far as if you were to do a QCD. So let's say as an example, somebody goes to church and they want to give to their church. So they think about, okay, how much would I give over the year? I'm going to give this amount. Maybe they have another charity that they really love, you know, dogs, puppies, kittens, whatever. And they want to give to that and they could do the same thing. Can they do two different They can do QCDs? different ones. There are limits and things which we're not going into today, but there are you can do multiple QCDs. That, that's awesome. If you're going to give the money anyway, I mean, do it this way and it's a huge tax benefit. Right. Now, of course, if you're giving it, you know, you also get a tax deduction if you were doing it pre-tax. So you want to look at both sides. And remember, you can't do these QCDs until you're 70 and a half. So, uh, so, so, so you have to fact factor that in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but again, if you, you want to reduce your required minimum distribution, or you may not based upon where you are, these deductions pre-tax may not be that great for you now, but by reducing the RMD, it's really lowering your taxes later on. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of different factors, and we use some computer programs that show the differences and the advantages and where the break-even points are to really determine the tax impact of making some of these decisions. Yeah. Bottom line is it's complicated, and they need to do it right. So they need to reach out to you. Yeah, they need to do it right, and they need to do some planning. Listen, I mean, accounts do a great job. 
a lot of accounts that uh, a lot of great accounts out there, but they're not really getting involved in a lot of this planning. Most of them are not getting involved in this planning when it comes to the Roth conversions and the cash withdrawal strategies, and obviously the investment strategies that go along with this. We work very closely with the accounts to to get their blessing and to really show mm -hmm. the, the client together why it would make sense for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's why you have the network that you do is that you work with these professionals that they handle that side of it. You handle the planning side of it and come together and it makes a great team. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What else do we need to cover today? I think we've covered I think we've covered it all today. So uh so just to recap what you know we're looking at Secure 2.0 moving the required minimum distribution back, looking at your investment strategy, your asset allocation, really honing in on the tax impact whether you're younger or older what the tax impact could be, looking at the cash withdrawal strategies if you're at that point where you're going to start to getting close to take money out of that and really focusing in also on the Roth conversions is one of your tax consequences. So those are the areas that, that this new Secure Act 2.0 should be looked at and looked at every year because it could change each year. You've got to constantly look at it and constantly yeah. make decisions based upon your situation at that time. All right. My last question for you, Larry, scale of one to 10, how'd I do today? You're always a 10 in my book, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. I'll see you later. <laughs> I appreciate that. Now, my real last question is, how do they reach you? How do, so how do people they, get a hold of you if they want to talk yeah, to you? Yeah, so the easiest way to get a hold of me is go to our website, hellowealthmanagement.com, and you can go right into Contact Us and click on there to schedule free diagnostic or just a, any type of questions you want to ask, a 20-minute call, and, and we can chat. All right, Larry, thank you so much for your time. It was a fun podcast. I know I wasn't the greatest guest, but I know next time you're coming back with a great guest. <laughs> you're all, you're, you, I like talking to you. Uh, so. <laughs> I appreciate it, Larry. So we got a mix, we got a mix, we got a mix there. I think we shake it up a lot. little bit. We laugh a little bit more when it's just the two of us. Yeah, well, that's good. That's a good thing. It gets our week started off right. All right. One more thing. Actually, I didn't leave the phone number in case you want to just call us. Feel free to call us at 631 248 3600. All right. Thanks again, Larry. And of course, our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Life Unlimited podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask you to share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this will help other people find the show. And if you're watching on YouTube, we'd appreciate a like and follow there as well. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.